If not now, when would like to thank the following sponsors. HDG is a Spokane-based firm whose aesthetic can be described as a bold understatement of cool design. HDG was founded on the design principle that we can do better, and because we can, we must. The world is full of intrigue, and we want to keep it that way. Check out some of our work at studiohdg.com. Don't settle for crap. We're also sponsored by Nudo Ramen, here to prove that you don't have to travel to San Francisco or Tokyo for great ramen. Good for a date night or just hanging out with friends. Our great food and great vibes can be found in two Spokane locations, downtown and North Spokane. It doesn't feel like the big box because it's not. Equal parts classic and nouveau. Warm your belly and your heart with some delicious ramen. Guaranteed to reverse aging. Lastly, we're sponsored by Stroom Interiors. In a world of bots and algorithms, Stroom reinserts humanity to your interior space. Stroom is new to the Northwest scene and quickly becoming a local leader in furniture, material, and art procurement. With actual designers walking you through the process of interior design and selection, we have beating hearts that care about your project. Stroom, because we're still human. Hey listeners, my name is Josh Hissong and I am a serial entrepreneur and the founder of HDG Architecture. I would like to welcome you to If Not Now, When, a podcast that aims to explore topics around the city of Spokane, past, present, and maybe most importantly, the future. To my left is Brennan Pointer, founder of Spocast, the show's producer, my collaborator, and the real brains in the room. Brennan and I will be hosting a variety of guests covering a range of topics. On each episode, we will sit down with folks who call Spokane home. We'll talk to business owners, journalists, city officials, influencers, and people with a voice or reason to speak. And we'll get to tap into their experiences and insights. So it goes without saying that we care about this city and more so the health of downtown. It's where we live, work, play, dine, vote, shop. And if we do these things well, we set up the next generation to carry on the momentum we and our predecessors helped to build. Each of us has the ability, and dare I say calling, to be an agent of change in some way. So this is also a call to action. You get to help shape the narrative. We hope that you find value here, and if you do, please tell your friends to check it out. Thanks a lot for being here. I'm excited for today's guests as he brings a story woven into the fabric of Spokane. Born and raised here in Spokane, Michael Sensky's roots include a family of entrepreneurs and a legacy of commitment to our community that spans generations. Michael's grandfather, Bill Sensky, pioneered the lawn care field with the inception of pest control, known as Sensky Services. Today, it is one of the region's most trusted businesses, a testament to the foresight and dedication that has characterized the Sensky's family presence in Spokane. After graduating from Ferris High School, Michael left Spokane for the University of Washington, where he earned a bachelor's degree in psychology. His pursuit of knowledge didn't end there as he further honed his leadership skills at Harvard Business School's Owner-President Management Program, laying the groundwork for a remarkable career. After graduating from UW, Michael was hired at Microsoft, where he worked in the Product Support Services Division. In 1997, Michael returned to Spokane to work with Pearson Packaging Systems. Over the years, he has worn various hats there, from Director of Business Development to Vice President of Sales and Marketing, ultimately taking the helm as President in 2003. 
A leader in business and community, Michael currently serves on the board of directors for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, the Seattle branch, where he represents the Spokane Coeur d'Alene region. Having worked with Michael and knowing Michael for many years, I'm excited for everyone else to learn about Michael's insights into Spokane and what it's been like for him to grow up here and subsequently run companies here. Uh, I think you're all going to enjoy it. So welcome, Michael. Tell us, I mean, we, we, we know the Sensky name. Everyone in Spokane knows the Sensky name because of what your family has done over the years. But that's not the industry you're in. You're not in Sensky Lawn Care, which we just found out was the largest or the first company to ever rid a city of rats. Yeah. Like, and, and most notably, it was ranked the most sophisticated lawn care company in the 1940s, 1950s in the country. Out of Spokane. Yeah. Um, uh, and then also we will delve into um, Pearson Packaging, which has also done incredible firsts for our manufacturing and kind of that, that production side of the U.S. economy and globally right now, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So tell us a little bit about uh, Michael, where, you're, where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised here in Spokane, Washington, and... Um, you know, like, like a lot of people, I, I, you know, when I was young, I didn't think my future was going to be here in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of wanted, wanted to leave. And, and I think it's for a variety of reasons. I think number one, I think all young people want to try something else out, you know, and kind of, yeah. you know, explore, you know, other parts of the world. Um, you know, and, and, and also, you know, the, the city was very, very different back in, in, in the late eighties than it, than it is mm. now. Um, but, uh, was born and raised here and, and, uh, you went um, to Ferris, right? I did went to Ferris high yep. school and, and graduated in 1988 and, and, uh, uh, went on to, and University he looks younger than me just, <laughs> just to know, just to know. So sorry. It's, it's, clean, <laughs> went on to, <laughs> it's clean living. It's clean Josh. living. I, know. I've, I just don't have as many years of clean living, <laughs> but I live clean now. Y'all no. it's the right way to live. Exactly. He's proof. So, um, went no, to UW. Yeah. Went to the university of Washington and, and, uh, had, had a great experience there and then started my professional career after I graduated there. Um, uh, you know, at Microsoft Corporation mm-hmm. and and kind of working, uh, you know, in the bowels of that organization. And, and that was a great experience. And I think uh, I look back on that and really, even though it was my first job out of college, had it had a profoundly, yeah. you know, well, I would say a profound impact, but mm-hmm. a profoundly positive impact really on yeah. me and kind of the way I viewed things. And this would have been in uh, ninety. That was like three-ish. The, yeah, that it was. Yeah, it was the ninety three, ninety four through ninety eight. Okay, so so Microsoft was at there. a at a point where they were really starting to explode. Yeah, they were. They had already obviously done done remarkably well with with the um, um, the launch of you know Windows three point zero and three point one and yeah. you know Windows for Workgroups three point one one and all that sort of stuff and that um, but Windows ninety five was being launched. Yeah, it was during the browser wars, so that that was when you know kind of Netscape Navigator was yeah. the dominant <laughs> browser. So I think ninety five was my first computer. I think that's yeah. when I actually got my first computer, which I think I was a little behind most most people, um, like most things in life. So, 
Um, so 95, 98, you're 98. What are you doing? Are you, are you kind of growing within Microsoft? Yeah. You, you know, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed the time there. Uh, I was in the consumer division unit, mm -hmm. which was uh, a lot of the products that frankly weren't the money makers of, mm. of, of the organization. You know, mm -hmm. back then it was windows itself, the operating system. It was Microsoft office, you know, okay. was, was a big money generating, <laughs> you know, kind of endeavor. Um, the consumer division unit were were small smaller products like Microsoft Works. It was some of the mm. you know their CD ROM titles mm -hmm. at the time. So mm -hmm. one thing yeah. I know is is I, I still have a CD uh, ROM uh, floating around that that is is the ultimate Frank Lloyd Wright from from Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and, and so they were delivering content, and that's when software was mostly you know sold in brick and mortars mm -hmm. uh, like Computer City and yeah. software things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was Microsoft works, um, and you know, products like Encarta. Yep. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, really then the opportunity to really move back to Spokane where, where both my wife and I were raised, I was married at that point in time. And had you met Jen in Seattle? So I met or her while her I here? was actually going to school, uh, in, in Seattle okay. you know, at the university of Washington, we got married in 1995. And really when the opportunity to join Pearson packaging systems came up, up mm -hmm. because both of our families were here in, in, in Spokane. Um, it was a difficult decision, um, and it took us quite a while to really come to the decision to move back and to, to pursue that opportunity. But but we we ultimately made the decision, and and frankly, I'll, I'll tell us you know a story, and and you know the, I, I'll never forget the first time we came back. I was unpacking the house. Um, my wife was working at, at, at Nordstrom at the mm -hmm. time, and so she was in the Nordstrom store That's here. Awesome. I'm, I'm on a Saturday, you know, unpacking the house. I unpack all day. I say, hey, let's go downtown and let's, let's get some dinner, you know, or whatever. And, and uh, we, we end up going out like at 8 o'clock at night and came downtown. And I remember looking over at my wife and being like, oh, my God, what have we done? Right? <laughs> I mean, there nothing was, was nothing open. open. This was pre- you know, kind of yeah. of River Park Square. Yeah. Yeah. This was pre, you know, the the renovation. It was it was pre Davenport. Um, you had and, two choices: Spaghetti Factory or the Onion. Yeah, and and, and, and they frankly, were closing soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Onion was probably the only one that was open. But yeah. but yeah. what was really interesting is is I mean it was kind of shocking compared to what we were used to. Yeah. Um, and and that's one of the really cool things that now that we've moved back, I look at how Spokane has really changed, mm. and I'm super glad we made the decision. Yeah. I'm really glad we raised our kids here. And, oh, for sure. And I, it's just been a wonderful and place you, to live. And you left in 2000 to come back here? 99? No, it was, it was 90, about 98. 98. I think okay. it was 98. Yeah. Um, because obviously Seattle had its boom in the late 2008 to 2015-ish, right? And South Lake Union was built. And, and that's grown a lot. Do you go back to Seattle and and kind of reminisce on your time there? Because... Everybody that grows up here, like you said, they just want to get out, yeah. even when they know they're coming back. Um, yeah. But the cities that we that we move to that we think are going to be the place that you know we find ourselves or whatever, and um, they always have like hold like a special place. So does Seattle have that for you still? You know, it it it, it really did, and we still have a lot of friends that are over there, and 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 we visit you know multiple times a mm -hmm. year, and my 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 work and and some of the oh, volunteer yeah. activity I do gets me over there on a, on a very frequent basis. Um, I will say though that that. Um, 
you know, it, it isn't what it used to be, you know, in terms of like, I used to, I used to really believe that that's where we were going to retire, mm-hmm. that ultimately mm-hmm. we'd, we'd do our thing here and we'd move back there. Um, but, but, uh, you know, I think it's more a testament to, to how, you know, positive things in Spokane really are not yeah. necessarily, yeah. you know, the, you know, anything negative about Seattle, but, you know, we've got great quality of life, you know, here we've got yeah. access to the outdoors. We've got wonderful things to do all four seasons. Um, you know, affordability is great and, and, you know, the traffic, although, you know, it's, it's, I laugh when people complain about like how traffic <laughs> right. is bad. and I still don't know why we have a traffic report at 6am. <laughs> it's, uh, it is funny, the little things that get to us, um, in Spokane that, um, any other city, any other person living in any other bigger city is going to just like laugh at it. Um, the drive from, from Coeur d'Alene, um, you're 38 minutes or so door to door for Armando. And, and there are days where he's like, God, it took 50 minutes and it was super slow around Broadway. And I was like, yeah, dude, you, you drove like 40 miles. <laughs> um, you live on the backside of the lake, like, or on yeah. Fernand Lake. And, and I remember living in Los Angeles and, and having grown up in Post Falls where we had one stoplight when I left, um, I lived in Newport beach and I drove to Pasadena and it was like three or four, it was the 210, the 605, and one other freeway that I would take. And there were times where it took almost three hours. Mm. And it was 19 miles yeah. as the crow flies, yeah. 19 miles away. And um, so coming back up here, I just, I thought it was brilliant. Like I never had to see the the, the red taillights for, for 10 miles ever again. Um, and even though it has become a busier area and we've had a large influx of people move here during COVID, excuse me, during COVID, um, it's, it's still, you know, it doesn't affect me no matter how road ragey I feel. Um, <laughs> you know, I get mad at stop signs being there. So, I mean, yeah. um, I, so oh, go ahead. I want to ask uh, about, uh, you, you said you thought you would retire in Seattle. What, when you're at that age, what made you believe that you would be retiring in Seattle versus retiring in Spokane? Like, was it just yeah. like access to? Yeah, it was, it was more, it was more at the time when we moved over, you know, Spokane just hadn't developed the way that it had in terms mm-hmm. of some of the cultural amenities, yeah. you know, that we have today. Um, and, and, and so we just kind of felt that with all the friends that we had back then that we'd come here, probably, you know, be here for 20 or 30 years. Right. And then we'd kind of go back to where we really kind of grew up, really loving Seattle and, you know, living in, you know, kind of a downtown environment or something like that, which at the time in Spokane really didn't exist. And so we were really kind of intrigued by that. And, and it's interesting. I mean, you know, uh, it's now I'm living downtown, you know, I was going to say, can we bring this up? Cause you're just down the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ironically I'm, I'm living downtown and, and those were the types of things that, that just didn't exist. So that was really it. It was it mm. was going back to see the people that we had kind of left behind, mm-hmm. and, and still kind of the the friend group, and 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 kind of some of the professional peers and colleagues that we maintained relationships with. Yeah. Uh, and then just you know we just thought it was a really enjoyable place to be, but I don't think we would ever consider doing that now. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, I, where are you going to go? Because I was going to ask about Pearson packaging. So, so yeah, I was just going to bring like um, yeah. you came back um, and and fast forward in 2016 ish. Um, I met Michael for the first time mm-hmm. and was lucky enough to um, be hired to um, redesign his existing office space at Pearson in in um, over on the West Plains and um, and got to know him through that and also got to tour a, a company that I didn't know existed. 
Um, and I'm still blown away with, with what you all do. So tell us a little bit about Pearson and I mean, and your role now today, obviously. Um, but you started 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Yeah. It was about 25 years ago, uh, which it did. It seems some days it seems like I've been here for a hundred years and other days it seems like it's only been a couple. Um, but uh, um, really, you know, Pearson Packaging Systems, uh, it was founded as R.A. Pearson Company in 1955. And essentially, the founder of the company was a gentleman, Reinhold Albert Pearson, hence mm-hmm. R.A. Pearson mm-hmm. Company. Uh, and he developed the, you know, he worked at, uh, he was a bottle shop superintendent at Bohemian Brewery here in town. And one of the the most labor intensive things they did was actually, you know, kind of hand erect or hand form those basket style mm-hmm. six pack carrier erectors oh, okay. that we've all, you know, you go buy a six pack, yeah. you know, at, at the store and walk out of it, you know, in that little suitcase type carrier um, that they, they used to do that by hand. And he <laughs> came up with a, a concept to automate that process for a machine that would automate that process. Mm. And he actually went to. Uh, you know, his his boss and, and said, hey, I've got this great idea. Um, would would it be OK if I developed this on my own time? Um, you know, this is something I, I, I feel passionate about and want to do. And and they said, hey, not only will will we give you the permission to go ahead and do it, but if it works, we'll buy the first one from you. <laughs> um, and and that's really how the company was started. So he it literally started kind of in his garage um, you know, building that, that, that first, you know, automated carrier rector. And it was really to serve just the brewing industry. So, um, for the first probably 20 years of the company's existence, I'd say, or 15 to 20 years, I would say 90% of the business they did between 55, maybe in, in the early seventies was brewing, huh. uh, or beverage, you yeah. know, cause there were, I mean, you could buy Pepsi back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in a six pack. Um, and now we we actually only sell that equipment um, in in Mexico actually to to a couple of, of, okay. of customers. The market's so saturated, and and frankly, it's it's really changed. It's gone in a very different direction. You know, most of of the craft brews and things like that are in cans and yep. cartons instead of six packs yeah, yeah. and glass. Um, but but you know that was kind of the launch pad, and and now we really focus on industrial automation, primarily mm-hmm. of Fortune five hundred food, beverage, personal care. Uh, and pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we serve them globally. Uh, we're, we're headquartered and build all the equipment here. And, and it's really four main product lines. It's, uh, you know, case uh, and tray forming. So mm-hmm. we build the equipment that automates the process of forming or erecting a, a corrugated case or tray. Mm-hmm. It's robotic top load case packing. So we mm-hmm. use robots uh, and, and, you know, AI-driven vision, things like that. Yeah. Um, to pack products into the top of those cases or trays that have been formed or erected. Uh, we build case sealers mm-hmm. uh, and then robotic palletizers where we use robots to actually stack the, oh, wow. the, you know, the cases once they've been erected, packed and sealed right onto to pallets for, for shipment. Um, it, it's so you mentioned touring inland paper and mm-hmm. um, every time I go there I just stand in awe at what they're doing they have some R&D here some R&D on the east coast right mm-hmm. but the um, package sealer systems uh, the speed in which these boxes fly through and get this I, I, sh- I don't know if I'm telling trade secrets but like no. oh my god it's fucking incredible <laughs> to watch because it'll spray this like mist of of glue and before you can blink it's closed and launched off and something else is grabbing it it's it's amazing to watch and i don't think i mean i didn't know it existed here i'm sure a lot of people don't know that it exists here and 
And what you guys create is used globally and it helps with the delivery of everyday products. Mm. So going out there, the names of the companies that I would see, I would just be blown away that a company in Spokane is producing all of this stuff for, I'm not going to name the names because I don't know who you can and can't, but just blown away. Fortune 500 companies, like the biggest companies that we know they work with. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, and a, lot, and a lot of people think that we do the packaging, right, or that we mm. do something like to produce their products there. Yeah. And what we do is we build the equipment, yeah. you know, to their our customer specifications. And then ship um, it. And then ship it to their manufacturing facilities kind mm-hmm. of globally. Uh, and, and it's and, mostly secondary, right? You're not taking raw product and you're not doing the packaging from raw Yeah, we don't to... build the machines that put the Coke in the can, Correct. for example. Okay. What we do is build the equipment that would put the... Um, you know, the Twinkie and the carton, for yeah. example, or the cartons of Twinkies into a shipping container. They refer to it as secondary packaging because it's really the packaging we primarily do serves as as a way of ensuring that wherever the product is manufactured, okay. that it's put into a container so that it can then be safely shipped from that point of manufacture to mm. wherever any of us would, Opened would and purchase consumed and at consume that point. it, like yeah. at Walmart, at a Costco, yeah. um, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then you have like an implement implementation team that goes out and then puts these we do uh, yeah. machines in the places and then they hang out there for a bit and make sure yeah. it's right. I used to I used to work at a place called Kimball Office in yeah. Post Falls. I, I oh made, yeah, I, the, I made the one cub- out on Celtis. I made cubicle walls for a living yeah. for like four years before I ever decided to. I didn't want to work in manufacturing and uh, and so I there was implementation teams that came in and like. Made, put these big machines in and then they hang out with us, show us how to use it. And then, yeah, so you, I imagine you guys support your we customers do. too. Yeah, we do. Once once we ship the equipment, you know, from our, usually what we have to do is, is complete what they call an FAT, a factory acceptance test mm-hmm. in our facility that just demonstrates the efficacy of what we've designed mm-hmm. yeah. for them. We then ship, tear the equipment down. Um, put it typically on trucks, right, and and ship it to wherever the customer's facility is. Uh, once it's there, um, we install it, commission it, get it up and running, provide their operators all the training they need mm-hmm. to, to operate it, to maintain it. And then we also do play a pretty significant role doing ongoing service and support yeah. Yeah. after the fact so that those pieces of equipment keep yeah. running. And, and frankly, they last a long time. I mean, these aren't machines that last for four or five years. I mean, we have customers that 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 have machines that are 40 plus years old wow. that are still running and they're yeah. still buying parts or having us do service on them on, on a fairly routine basis that's rad so when that's, yeah when when pearson like started like expanding like you started here in spokane like you're in west plains correct yep. like that's where your facilities are at and then like you expanded to like other facilities are like this would be closer to customers and like but i guess the question i was going to ask is your employee base like how many like how many empl- uh, people do you employ here in Spokane? You know, it's so so to overall it's like I, I'll give you a round number of it's probably average is probably about 250. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is it was about a fifth the size, you know, or well, it was less than a fifth the size. It was probably, you know, at one eighth the size that it is today mm. with probably when I got there with almost so the same number of people, employees. Essentially. Yeah. Well, no, no, I was going to say with almost 200 people back then. Oh. Um and and through, you know, kind of 
of just you know kind of continuous improvement oh, you know kind of focusing yeah. on 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 you know kind of you know we don't build all the parts we design all the parts do all the engineering we do all the mechanical assembly mm-hmm. we used to fabricate all you know cut chips right we we, we would cut the metal you know <laughs> on, on our production floor and honestly being in the northwest with with boeing and suppliers right. to boeing and the aerospace industry there's a lot of manufacturing capacity yeah. here mm-hmm. and so in 2008 we stopped producing our own parts and actually we design them uh, and send them out, you know, so that's, you know, one way we've kind of managed that. I mean, our core competency really is the engineering. Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, when people think of assembling, they kind of think of really low tech, unskilled labor, you know, doing repetitive tasks. Mm-hmm. And, and and the people that, that we really employ are all really, really highly technical. The people who build the equipment out on the floor, well, they don't have engineering degrees for all intents and purposes. They ought to, and yeah. and, and they act like they do, and yeah. they interact with. And they've earned them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're they're a really capable group of people. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, it's a pretty fantastic place, um, and it's it's definitely what I would call. There's a custom element to almost everything we do. We do have standard products and mm-hmm. standard approaches to solving similar problems. Um, but everything we do is, is there's a custom element to it. Um, you know, we refer to it as like engineer to order mm-hmm. and build to order. So we don't build machines to stock and then sell them. We build them specifically for each customer solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's what I would characterize as kind of a low volume, high variability yeah, yeah. manufacturing environment. And you do have some like palletizers and you do palletizers yep. there, right? Yeah, we do. And, and those ones you could continue to build without an order, knowing that somebody's going to reach out for those, right? Yeah. That's a pretty high. So I'm, I'm kind but, of, but generally we don't, over. I mean, we, we, we don't do that very often. We really don't build very much to stock and, yeah. and, at all. Um, I'm still blown away that you went from 200 people to 250 at eight times the volume. Yeah. Like wow. that's, um, that's a dream for any company. Right. Um, and I know, um, having known you and some other people that are there at your company, that you have people that have been there as maybe not as long as we've been alive, but pretty close. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. I mean, in fact, today when I'm done here, I'm going back to to say goodbye to one of our um, one of our employees who's retired after like 32, 33 yeah. years. But I mean, we've had people who have stayed there well in excess of forty years. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting. It's kind of sad because COVID kind of brought an end to some of those people yeah. who had mm. been there for a long time. Yeah. And when they really realized kind of the environment that they were going to be working in, you know, they had to a mask make that and social decision. distancing and all those things that we did to, you know, to try to, you know, protect one another. Right. A lot of them were, you know, had the financial wherewithal to say, yeah, I, I just really don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Right. I just want to retire maybe a little bit early. And that was kind of unfortunate because, you know, back then, you know, when you've got people who had been there for 35 or 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, we used to give people the, the big send off yeah, and everybody yeah. get together and with people working remotely and things like that, it just wasn't the same. And so we, we actually saw a lot of talent walk out the door mm-hmm. during during COVID. Uh, and you can't just easily replace that. No, right? yeah. no. And you said it, the people that are out in the in the warehouse building everything, the engineer minded manufacturing people. They're they're getting more and more difficult to replace, probably too. They are. Um, they are. So, uh, yeah, COVID definitely had a played an impact. We talk a lot about downtown and how that impact uh, of COVID has affected, but has affected the downtown core. But but then you having been someone living on on in your neighborhood where you've lived forever, where you raised your kids, um, you and your wife decided to move downtown, like sell your house, um, and, and come down here. So 
what was it? Was it was it partially that you thought at some point you'd live in downtown Seattle when you started to get a little older and the kids were gone? Or is it just you see downtown Spokane being something um, that's going to be great? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I, there's already so many positive things about it. We just kind of were sitting in our house one one evening, and our <laughs> kids. You know, we've got one one um, you know daughter who's who's launched mm-hmm. right and living in Boise, Idaho. The other one is close to being launched and finishing up. You know, kind of of of, of her time at university. And we're sitting in this house that we loved, right, and that we yeah. renovated, yeah. and and we were using like two rooms, three rooms <laughs> right. of the house, and like, why are we doing this? You know, we, we you know let's let's kind of move downtown I mean, mm-hmm. you know, where, where we know a lot of people, where we meet people, you know, b- you know, after work, before work, yeah. you know, things like yeah. that on weekends. And so we just made the decision to do it, you know, and, and it, and it's actually been surprisingly great. I mean, I, I was really skeptical that, that we would end up <laughs> liking it as much as, as we have. Um, but it's terrific. Like today, just, you know, walked over, walked here, yeah. Yeah. right. You know, and it's, it's, and it's, yeah. it's, it's just a terrific quality of life. So yeah, we really enjoy it. And we're hopeful, you know, really optimistic that it's going to continue to get better and continue to, you know, some of the challenges that we, you know, might have as, as a city, as a lot of cities have, that we'll continue to make progress on those and, and make it better for everybody. But we just love living downtown. Well, I think people like you moving downtown or like anyone moving downtown, um, it's that's that's what's going to make the big difference. Yeah. Um, and and we and I say this, you know, or I've said it a couple times during these these recordings that I started this because I kept complaining about things that were happening downtown year and a half ago. Mm. And and I said, well, I'm, I'm done just being a baby and complaining at work. I need to do something. And and I don't know how to do a lot. So I'm like, I can talk. So I, I you know, contacted Brennan and. And honestly, since it's um, since it started, I've already felt like kind of a shift. There's still some some obvious problems that um, have a lot to do with the drugs and and everything in Spokane and, and in any city really um, that that we need to figure out how to deal with. But the the little buzz that you feel in downtown when you go into a restaurant mm. and it's just busy enough um, that kind of you know, hum of, of people's conversations and music and everything. When you walk into the mall, um, it's, it's getting back to where it was and Mm. it is exciting. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for Spokane and, um, you know, people like you living downtown makes it, makes it kind of, um, a possibility that this, this change has totally started to happen. Um, again, because I think COVID did scare a lot of people from, living downtown. I mean, I feel like the vibe has gotten so much better downtown. Like, just being out during the holidays, like, people are out shopping. Like, it's... I mean, I... I you know, I'll, I, me and my wife are similar to you. Like we, when our kids are done with school, like mm-hmm. we want to move downtown. Like we want to yeah. like yeah. downsize and like live in, and like our dream was always to maybe live in like a Dan Spaulding's place. Like yeah. those places are freaking amazing. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I gotta ask, like when you, when you got down here into the, in your apartment, like what is a, what's a date night for you and your wife? What, what's your favorite spot? You know, I, I don't know that we have a favorite, but you know, I, I will, sh- you know, we, we, we love going to places like Purgatory. 
Ferry, where mm-hmm. where you know we'll just walk out the door and walk you know 150 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. feet and walk in there. And, and yeah. I mean, there's something about like walking into a place where people recognize you. They've mm-hmm. got great food, great drinks. Mm-hmm. You recognize some of the people that are there. But I mean, it's you know, so I don't want to single out just anyone. Yeah, sure. But I mean, but it's things like purgatory. We we love walking over to Madeline's right for mm-hmm. you know for breakfast in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the satellite diner or walking yeah. over to Kendall Yards. You know, you know for dinner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, places like that, like Sorella and the yards for breakfast. For I sure. mean, it's just so easy. You just yeah. wake up, get ready, kind of go do your thing. And, and you know, we've just found it saved us a ton of time. And it's just been great. Yeah. Well, and it's it's exciting to walk out the doors because I, I actually lived in the same building that you're living in mm. for almost two years um, right at the start of COVID. And it was it was just so easy to go do anything. Nothing was like, oh, I got to go do that. It's it's all right there. Yeah. Um. And and you mentioned Sorella and and Kendall Yards. I think the bridge is reopening soon, as well from Riverfront Park over to the Post Street Bridge. Yeah. 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 Um, hope so. so. I, I hope so. Be it's been it long enough. Like it's been about ten years. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it feels for some reason it feels so much less windy and kind of you know scary walking across that versus Maple Street Bridge. Uh, I don't like, know what it is about the Maple Street. It but like the other night, you know, daunting. it was just interesting. We were meeting some friends at, you know, the new place, you know, in the Papillon building. You yeah. Know, yeah. 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 And, you know, they kind of all drove there and, mm-hmm. and we, we met them there and it's just walked across kind of that, that lit, you know, kind of gateway yeah. right, path right through the park and then back. And it's just, it was just terrific. I mean, it's, it's amazing that something just that simple can actually be, I mean, so much less stressful, right. Stress-free and kind of. Well, and Enjoyable. at the end of the day, you look at other um, places. Uh, we have very few big walkable cities in America, but you, you've traveled enough to where you, when you walk places, you just inherently feel better walking, mm. yep. obviously. I mean, it's, it's getting out. And you say, um, you mentioned Loren and Casa, which is upstairs. Yep. We really good friends with Julie Norris, who who uh, has built those over the last three years, two and a half years. Um, but you mentioned that bridge. And when I lived down here, they had just finished uh, the dinosaur park, and my mm. son was oh, four, yeah. four and a half, four, yeah, four years old. And every night we would walk across the bridge. He would play, and when the sun started going down, it seemed like every day we would hit that bridge as the lights started coming on and the sun started to set. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. Um. And and that's another thing that we we don't talk about enough in Spokane is Riverfront Park, and um, it, it's just it's such an incredible park and they've done a great job in the last 10 years of trying to revitalize the park and um get the right uses and it's kind of cool and i don't know if you've seen it yet but the the concerts they have in uh, the pavilion um it's pretty amazing to to see a band like the pixies yeah come to spokane and play in the park yeah, yeah. like uh i missed it this year but um or last year when they played but uh, it's pretty neat. It's pretty yeah. special what they've done. Um, some of the other stuff that I want to talk about, um, number one, we mentioned UW or you brought it up, but yep. no one seems to be bringing up Harvard and you have a <laughs> degree from Harvard. Well, so I, you know, I went through what they call their owner president management mm-hmm. program. And so <laughs> you, it was a three-year it's program. Still Harvard. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it was really executive education and, you know, and, and, and how, you know, it was, it, you know, you'd be immersed for a few weeks at a time mm-hmm. over a period of three years. Um, you know, and, and so I, you know, kind of went back and forth, you know, during yeah. that and, and, and it was, it was a great kind of, of, of opportunity to do it at, at that point in time, the opportunity to really kind of 
we had just had our first child, right? Yeah. You know, the the idea of, you know, like leaving and, you know, getting like a full-blown MBA somewhere, yeah. right, was was less appealing because what I was doing at work, you know, was was great, but but I think that could have accommodated, but we had just relocated, right? Yeah. From here to to, you know, from Seattle to Spokane and really didn't want to uproot the family. But anyway, um that that was a great experience. Yeah, and I'm sure. I still have a lot of of people that I keep in touch with from that program. Uh, and interestingly enough, many of which, you know, had, had gone through their MBA program, you know, years and years before and, and really and went just wanted back to and kind of come back to do this. And and some of those people, um, you know, we had had some of the members of our board of directors, uh, you know, kind of came from from that class mm-hmm. and and, uh, um, and and not necessarily people that had a close relationship with, but people that you just had the opportunity of interacting with and saying that person has a really unique outlook and is mm-hmm. really smart. Mm. I'd really love them to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and help us grow the business. And, and, and a few of them did really, and a couple of them did, and it's, it's been great. Yeah. It's great that, um, you knowing that you had this great job and and knowing you were smart enough to help shift and change the direction of that of Pearson and, and make it a better company, still taking the time and energy to continue growing so that you could be better at what you do. And not a lot of people do that. Um, we all get very complacent and, and so I'm always very surprised when people have great careers and they also put themselves through, you know, r- rigorous uh, classes or getting an MBA or doing stuff that they don't really need to do. It speaks volumes of well, people's and, character. And I'll tell you, not that there's probably a lot of super young people like listening to this, but what I would also there's just two. encourage people, <laughs> right, to, to, you know, to, you know, Your to do. Your two kids are going to listen to well, it. Or, you know, or I know they will not. They, I can guarantee you that. Okay, Luca will listen to yeah. it. So there's one um, kid. <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting, like, you know, when you when you look at, at you know, when you talk about, like, continuing education, I mm-hmm. think it's so important. There's so many people kind of, you know, especially – I, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of times people think, okay, I'm going to get my undergraduate. I'm going to immediately go get like my MBA or I'm mm-hmm. going to get, you know, whatever the, their advanced degree, their master's is going to be. And my daughter in Boise is doing the same thing. She got a degree in social work, right? And we really counseled her work for two or three or four years, right? Mm-hmm. And then go back and and get your master's in social work because you're going to bring all of your experience, mm. right? Yep. To, to, you know, to that program yeah. as opposed to... You're going to get more out of it oh, by uh, far. Uh, and, well, and, and so will everybody else in that room, mm-hmm. right? Even including yeah. the people who went straight into it because it's being, you know, it's being, you know, kind of augmented by real world experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, you know, that, that too many people, you know, kind of, and, you know, and when you go to really, you know, when you talk about, you know, Wharton and Harvard yeah, yeah. and Stanford and places like that, their MBA programs, um, you know, they are looking for people who have been out in the world mm-hmm. two or three or four or five or, or more years. But but a lot of times I see, especially regionally, people just rushing to get that advanced degree yeah. without that experience. And I just think you're going to get a lot more. Again, you're going to get a lot more out of it by having that experience. I think the people who are going through the program will get more out of it mm-hmm. um, and would just encourage. Well, and the to faculty are going to be able to continue those conversations that you bring yeah. every year you know, in the, in the future. Um, and your other daughter went ahead and just got a master's in like three and a half years of undergrad. Right. So so she's not, not quite, but she's on her way. She, uh, she's getting an environmental science, you know, degree. 
Um, and, and we were really pleased that, that, um, and it was kind of interesting, uh, she was working with her, her, you know, advisor mm-hmm. for, for, you know, the, the coming year. So she's in her third year and they said, Hey, at the end of this third year, you're going to be, you're going to be done. You're going to have the cred- credits to graduate, which mm. we knew she was taking a pretty heavy load, yeah. but, but weren't micromanaging her to the point we understood that. <laughs> yeah. And so she is going to get her master's, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of, and, and stay for that fourth year and continue yeah. that. And, and maybe it'll spill over a little bit longer than that uh but that that's been that, a great that, experience y- for her yeah you yeah but again you she have to did be exactly, proud of both of them for doing what they're doing right like, yeah and, and just, she did it you know again she kind of violated what i just said about getting a few years <laughs> of experience but this was just kind of serendipitous yeah that, uh, when it know. when it falls in front of you um and a lot of work obviously occurred um so uh we also worked on your house in Coeur d'Alene. Yep. Um, and it's my favorite place in the world. As much so as I love downtown you, Spokane. So I have to tell you, before you showed up, and I haven't shared this with a lot of people, now we're going to share it with all 72 people that will listen to this next 10 years. <laughs> um, no, there's more than that. Um, but I got a text from you in maybe 2021, 2020. Before, I don't it was know. Probably, it, probably 2021 because we moved in. Yeah. In January. Of okay. 21. So it was, I, th- I think it was like fall of 2021 and I read it and I read it again and it's still to this date, the best compliment that I've ever received, um, as the owner of HDG architecture or, or uh, co-owner of HDG architecture. Um, and you just said basically, um, that you've never been more comfortable and calm in your adult life than the time that you spent in that house. And you said, yep. I just wanted you and your team to know that. And, and it stuck with me. Um, in, in my industry, we do things that, that are, um, for aesthetic reason only when we're looking at like a restaurant or a facade of a building, um, and your home and a couple other, um, people that we'd worked with on commercial projects gave us the opportunity years ago to actually work on their residential home yeah. as well. And, it's changed the way that we run our company now. It's um, we are ninety percent, eighty percent, kind of more custom, higher end residential today um, because of that that message. Um, it it really to me it solidified that we were doing something right. Mm. Um, and and your home is. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's like, it's my dream home. <laughs> so I got to build my dream home that someone else lives in, but it's amazing. It, it's, um, it's contextual to what was there and you didn't waste any space. The, yeah, just a phenomenal client to work with both in the commercial and in, in residential. So yeah, no, we, it was we, very fun. You no, know, it's, it, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, my wife and I and our entire family, just really love it, right? It's just it's mm. it's not too big. It's mm-hmm. it's right sized kind of for us, and and uh, um, it it it's very different than a lot of the other houses that mm-hmm. you know that are kind of on the lake and in the region. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I th- and it's kind of not everybody's cup of tea. Some people come in and are like, "Why do you have concrete floors?" Right? Mm. You know, and you know, <laughs> just why? wait until winter when yeah. they're just emulating this beautiful well, warm yeah. heat. Like, but but it's different. It's not the lodge style that, that yeah. so many people kind of have right. have have built over the years not that there's anything wrong with that but it's just it's it's just different and yeah. it just fits what we do really well and it, we're going to be able to live into it you know well into mm-hmm. you know our older years yeah. and 
it's just awesome. Yeah. It's just like, again, I would say it's probably my wife and I's favorite place anywhere on planet Earth. I gotta, a- I gotta ask. That's phenomenal. Uh, I know you guys have done some other. I mean, more than that. That was not the only project you've done together, correct? No, we did. Um, we did that in his um, his corporate office. Yeah, and and we're we're working on some other little things out there at Pearson. This is not. We don't usually do this in the podcast, but I gotta ask. Like, what was when you went, started working with HTG? Like, what was the decision behind working with? With uh, with Josh and Armando, he had been drinking. Like, no, no. <laughs> no, so I, I will I will tell you what what was really interesting is first of all uh, got a reference from a mutual friend, um, you know, and and uh, uh, said, hey, you should you should really reach out to him, you mm. know, since we're going to do the the renovation of the office space there because we wanted it to be contemporary, we wanted it to be open. It was really this horrible dated yeah. 70s. I mean, it was it was depressing, right? Mm. And and I and I and I wanted people to have a much better That was better a polite experience. way of saying it. It was <laughs> oh, very yeah. depressing. You know, I mean, and, dark and yeah, <laughs> and, and just cut up and and we really wanted people to have a great experience, you mm. know, and be able to collaborate and communicate and just enjoy themselves at work. And so, so we reached out to him and I think what, what, what really, you know, kind of sealed the deal for us was just that you talk to other people and, and it wasn't, I mean, it, it was interesting. They were super competent professionally, you could tell, but also kind of socially really casual about it. Mm. Right. And so there was just kind of a vibe that you wanted to work with these people because it wasn't the typical, um, you know, kind of, I would say, corporate mm-hmm. environment, right? right the yeah. people were progressive in in their their approaches to doing things. They wanted to take some risks. They wanted to do some some kind of cool things that, you know, that, that you were wondering. Okay, you know, this is kind of out there a little bit. And 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 same same experience for our home, right? They they mm. they really is, and it was just a great vibe. And every single person that we met there was just really super passionate and very committed to their craft and and the project. And so that's that's why we did it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, man, if I wow. ever if I ever need to get something, designed, did you record did, that? Yeah, <laughs> if, I yeah. To, if I ever need anything, uh, uh, Ramal, I'll, I'll think about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better. Um, exactly. It's, it's funny. I think there are a lot of great architecture firms in Spokane and people that have been doing it for, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years here that are still practicing. Um, there's other firms um, in town that are our size that that are similar in um, their design aesthetic and and what their um, their kind of inspiration is, but I feel like for somehow we've been able to hire people over the years that are just like a pinch more passionate about the industry. Um, it's not just something that they choose. Oh, okay. Well, I have to choose some elective. I'll try this. And uh, mm. we, we have people in our office that it's what they've known they've wanted to do since they were 12 and, and they want to, they want to do something that's, that's memorable. And, um, and so I think that's been a big reason why we've been able to, um, capture work that would have probably been better, like suited to hire a bigger company. Like you, you let us, you know, kind of not fail on your house because I don't think we failed by any means, but you let us take more time than, you know, some, some rubber stamp architecture firm would have taken to pump out a a drawing set for you. Mm -hmm. Like we gave a shit about the details and then we realized how intelligent you were and how you could help us learn some of these funky details or figure out some of the details. So it was so much fun to work with. And Jen, his wife has really good taste and I like really good taste to the point where my interior design magazine, like the magazine interior design showed up at the office today. It's this amazing magazine that most people have heard of. And, and I open it up and I'm flipping through 
and there's a story about the future of tile and something else. And, mm. and there it is a picture of four years ago, she chose the tile mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole like story on how this type of tile is the future of design hmm. and interior design is supposed to be kind of the, the authority on what's new this year. And Jen, Jen nailed it. And I texted to her and was I was like the green, the green kind yeah, of the, mermaid the, tile. Yeah. Kind of that yeah. scalloped, like yeah, we have it's a room. Dope. We have our, our, our and master. there's no mirror in it still. Yeah. Which I f- yeah. absolutely love. And I now love we're that. not. And it's funny. I was just going to mention that we have this powder bathroom right in there, you know, that's, that's not attached to any of the bedrooms. And, and, uh, we put the mermaid tile up and, and what was funny is we, we didn't, we, it is beautiful. Um, but we couldn't find, you know, exactly the mirror we wanted to hang there. And then people started using it being like, why don't you have any mirror? And I'm like, oh, it's because we're edgy. We don't want you to worry about how you look. Just have a good time. Right. Which is total bullshit. Right? Yeah. But, but the bottom line is it's it's now been there for two years with no, and we have no intention of ever putting a mirror yeah, in that room. Yeah, you can never put one up now. And everyone comes out like, why is there no mirror? I'm like, you know what? You'll figure you, it you'll out. You'll figure it out. <laughs> you, you look perfect. Yeah, That's exactly. all you need to say. And, and we in our office, um, most people don't think we have mirrors. We do have mirrors in case somebody needs to check how they look. But when you wash your hands in any of the restrooms in our in our office, there's just a graphic. And all it says is, you look perfect. Mm. And, and it's the size of a mirror. And people come out and they're like, do you have a mirror? And so we eventually put up these uh, little 40, 48-inch by 20-inch yeah. mirrors that are kind of hidden <laughs> yeah. in the bathrooms. Um, that you can go check to make sure your zipper's done right or whatever, <laughs> um, or you don't have any spinach in your teeth. Mm, yeah, but no. yeah, your house was very fun, um, and and it was one that I got to work on personally. And and I don't always get to work on things. Um, I always get to be a part of the charrettes and and kind of what the vibe is going to be. But I got to personally work on it, which was fun because of the relationship with you and Jen and, and your personalities. Um, and your willingness to take those, those risks. So, um, yeah, if you're ever on Lake Coeur d'Alene and you see the, the coolest funky little mid-century house, uh, it's theirs. It's definitely theirs. Um, I I've got a couple other questions. Um, and, and I have no idea what it is that you do on it. I just know that, um, I do know that you're on the fed board. Yeah. Is that something that, that you can talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Just no, and, I mean, and can explain, um, yeah. you know, I, it makes me actually sleep better at night knowing you're on it. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 the Federal Reserve Board of San Francisco mm-hmm. and it's their mm-hmm. Seattle branch. So they mm-hmm. have multiple branches, uh, you know, like Portland has a branch. Uh, Seattle has a branch. Salt Lake City, Los Angeles have branches kind of in, 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 in uh, and then there's the head office in San Francisco. And essentially they have boards of, of individuals that are, you know, kind of from a, a wide variety of backgrounds. And I just off the top of my head, there's probably seven or eight that are on, you know, kind mm-hmm. of on, on the Seattle branch. Um, and essentially what they're looking for from us is just input, you know, uh, to help them, you know, kind of, of take that information, take that input, right, you know, kind of up the chain uh, to make better decisions, you know, about monetary policy. Yeah. So they're really asking mm-hmm. us, you know, kind of what the strength of our sales funnels are. How are we seeing, you know, kind of inflation for the goods and services we purchase? You know, what are wages doing? Kind of, you know, are you, you know, you know, tell us about turnover in your business. So they're mm-hmm. really trying to get down to a ground level, um, you know, where people can really provide 
you know, feedback that, that, that then can kind of, you know, matriculate up through yeah. the organization. Right. And, and, and help, and help make guide their decisions. decisions. Um, and, and the good news is almost every one of those people doesn't just answer the questions based on their maybe narrow view of the world from what they do professionally, yep. but they also ask you about different things that you might also be connected with in other parts of mm-hmm. your life. And so you really do have a great opportunity to provide that input, right? And and then one of the things they do is that, you know, they kind of give us a uh, you know, most most times when we meet a thesis where, you know, it'll be whatever um, you know, the, the, you know, the, the federal reserve is, is kind of, of, you know, they, they kind of give it a trial run, what they're mm-hmm. planning on doing in the next, you know, meeting, mm-hmm. um, and ask us to provide input on it, you know, um, and, and, you know, whether that's, you know, increasing, you know, uh, a rate, decreasing a rate, uh, or, or holding, you know, kind of where we are and, and they'll, present information and and ask us what our thoughts are basically about that. And, and it isn't as if we make that decision, but it's just data points. Like, yeah. You know, how are people looking it's at data this? It's data-driven, not politically driven. Yeah, not, 100%. And, yeah, and, and, is, I, and I have to stress the independence of that organization really um, you know, is, 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 is pretty astonishing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, I think there's all these, you know, kind of tinfoil hat sort of, of conspiracy theories right. about, you know, kind of, yeah. that, oh, you know, they're, you know, who's really controlling this. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and what I've grown to really appreciate is just the independence of it is yeah. they feel as if they have a very clear mission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, the predictability uh, of the value of money, mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah. that's one of them. Uh, and and basically, uh, you know, kind of full employment, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, of of getting, you know, the the economy to a position where it, it can, you know, um, you know, kind of approach full employment, right? Yeah. And and kind of keeping it balanced uh, over a long period of time, right? And 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 they're very independent, kind of in that, you know, despite what people kind of might think. And it's been a great experience so far. And I'd like to think that you know some of the feedback that we give, especially because I come from like an, an industrial automation, yeah. you know, kind of background, you know, that that that's helpful and that that perspective. And 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 frankly, what I think is really cool about it is is that. I get to report on things that are going on in Spokane, Washington, as opposed to it just being Seattle and yeah. Portland and Salt yeah. Lake City, you know, that, that Spokane's represented, you know, you know, and, and, and what's going on here is finding its way into that decision-making process, mm. however small it might be, right? I don't want to well, overstate it, and I think that's great. No, but uh, I, I think a lot of us in, in general like to look to blame one person for anything or give praise to one person for anything, and it takes a, a, a huge group of people to make informed decisions, and and we're we're not making informed decisions off of like uh, you know telemarketing. Hey, we have a survey for you. This isn't 1980 where you pick up a landline and you answer the questions and it goes back. Um, there's there's real people that are helping guide these decisions, and and it's kind of dope that that it's you, um, but rep- representing Spokane. Um, is even better because I've also always felt like we're a somewhat insulated economy here. Um, mm. You know, Seattle feels the the economic woes and San Francisco feels the economic woes. I've, I've always felt like much more than we do. Um, and I don't know if that's because a lot of people have their money in a bank and, and land here versus, you know, everything thrown into the market. I don't know what it is, but I remember 2010, everybody's like, Oh my God, my world's falling apart. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, 
We're in Spokane. Seven yeah. Eleven is still open. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's not really where I eat very often. But um, yeah, that's very cool that you get to represent Spokane. Yeah, and, and there have been, a, you know, other people, right? You know, the 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 you know the, the great thing is that Seattle branch has been very deliberate for years and years and years to involve somebody from Spokane, from the east side, yeah, uh, which is great. And they've had it from from you know central Washington as well. You know, some some really good people, and I just really. You know, the commitment of that organization to get feedback from every nook and cranny that they possibly can within reason, yeah. right, is really terrific. And I think just underlines their commitment to try to make the best possible decisions with 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 the, the all the data they can collect. Mm-hmm. That's rad. I, so I'm looking at the like, excuse me, the. There, the federal, excuse me, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, like it says, there are two key goals: are maximum employment and price stability. And I want to ask when I read that, and the fact that you're representing in Spokane is like, what are some things that like you're seeing in Spokane that gives you hope that like it's getting better? Because I feel like we got out of COVID, everyone was just coming into Spokane purchasing. Coming out, yeah. coming yeah. into Spokane, yeah, like yeah. from California, from Seattle, they're working remotely. Like I love all the people that are coming into Spokane, but yeah. like as you look at it, like what are some things that like are really helping you? Like think like this is going to really shift our economy here in Spokane. Like things that are happening. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, the continued kind of you know the continued migration, of people finding Spokane, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and I mean, there's a good and a bad to this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you know housing affordability is a huge issue across the entire country. Right. And on the one hand, it's really interesting to see the kind of the influx of individuals from outside the Spokane area coming back. Um, but that also creates pressures, you know, as they're looking for housing, yeah, and building right. homes and things like that. But I mean, what what I like about Spokane on the long term viability, you know, of, of it is really the fact that it, it is a great place. We're being recognized more and more. And I would mm-hmm. say it's not just Spokane. It's Spokane, Coeur d'Alene area. Yeah. Being, oh, for sure. Recognized. Sandpoint. You know, more and more, you know, because if you look at it from space, right. You know, there's no art from space. No. There's, no there's no arbitrary no geopolitical <laughs> boundary between, <laughs> right? Yeah, Correct. you know, Coeur totally. and Spokane. <laughs> yeah. It looks like just one region. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just the fact that, that that people are are looking at the quality of life things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of we talked about the traffic. We talked about yeah. relative affordability. Yeah. You know, compared to a lot of other places, that continued migration into Spokane, I think, is going to pay huge dividends. Mm-hmm. You know, literally and figuratively, kind yeah. of over the next couple of decades. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, but and, and I don't mean to be negative. You know, some of the things that concern me pretty mm-hmm. deeply. You know, are are you know since COVID, you know, kind of people that are you know that that are pursuing kind of um, you know post uh, secondary kind of degree attainment, whether it's mm. a two year from a two year university like through a community college system, whether it's a four year university, or even if it's a certificate program, right, for advanced manufacturing or maybe an apprenticeship. Yeah, you know, the participation in a lot of those things nationwide, not just here, but mm-hmm. in Washington though, especially. Have have really dropped from mm-hmm. from their pre pandemic mm-hmm. levels, and 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 that's a problem, and it's yeah. something that we really need to be committed to fixing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of positive things, but there's also some challenges, right? And I think that we were, were in Spokane yeah. uniquely <laughs> positioned. We've got all these great four year universities. We've got a terrific community well, college and extension system. programs for the for yeah. the. I think the the 
one of the big issues that happened during COVID was kind of everyone feeling disenchanted about what education really gives you. And, oh my God, what do you mean we can continue to go to school and just sit at home and, you know, I'm in Sheboygan, Minnesota or whatever, and, and I'm going to USC. I'm just sitting in my basement with wood paneling on the wall and I'm getting my degree. This is all my education is worth. And I feel like a lot of people took that as this, mm. the, education isn't as high and mighty as it should be. And it is. And if we forget that, um, great people have built this country educated or not educated, but we've always done better when, when people pay attention to their education and pursue a higher education. So, um, I know I, I like saw different things on Instagram about people questioning, like, why am I spending, you know, $40,000 this semester to sit in my parents' basement and have, you know, my internet blink in and out while my professor's like trying to zoom for 10 minutes. That's not the way it is. We're back to normal. We are back to normal. And, um, and people need to recognize that. Yeah. And, and, and not to kind of go off, you know, not to stray too far from your original question, but what's 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 really supposed to do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm glad, but what's really interesting about it is, is that, you know, I, you know, remote anything, people got to be careful what they, what they wish for. For sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You and I had this conversation the other day because, you know, I, I had a young kid come in, you know, who was an engineer not that long ago and he really didn't want to come back to work. Right. He wanted to be, and we've been back since, oh, uh, probably March of 2022, because Mm. we really noticed that the lack of collaboration between, you know, the the people who are working on our production floor, the lack of collaboration and our engineers and the Mm -hmm. different people, the members of our service organization that are based here, Mm -hmm. we started to really see kind of the quality of the product, you know, the, 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 um, velocity with which problems could be solved, we really started to see that, you know, kind of go in the wrong direction. Right. And not only that, but we have people who can't work remotely, right? We have a group of individuals who have to be there building those machines mm-hmm. every yeah. day. And when when the other people aren't there, it almost creates a caste system, right? Yeah. This the idea yeah. that, well, where somehow you could we have, think they're better than... But also where you mm-hmm. could have that engineer just step out onto the floor and chat with you. Yeah, or vice Now versa. you're trying to go inside right. and Zoom... And and you don't have the machine there. Yeah, yep. so I, I And so we really we really pushed to have people back, but this kid came into my office and he said, Yeah, I'm not interested in, in coming back and if you make me come back, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and quit. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, said, Hey, so I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you think that we've hired you because you're the smartest person who can do this job anywhere out of the eight billion people on this planet? Or do you think we hired you? Because you're a reasonably smart person who kind of lives in this general region, right? right? Um, that that we can continue to invest in, and 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 you know, and 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 you can do this job and be very successful at it. Mm-hmm. Because if if none of you want to come back, right? If this if you want to go purely remote, mm-hmm. I can hire people smarter than you. Yeah, that'll work harder than you. Mm-hmm. That'll work for less money than you. Yeah, uh, in other parts of the world. But that's not what this is about. This is about being a team. It's about yeah. collaborating. It's, it's about, about a being community. Here. It's about being present yeah. and and making our business better, serving our customers, making <laughs> Spokane better. Love that. And 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 when he but but and he quit, right? Great. You know, and it was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not about that. And and at the end of the day, I really do hope that you know, again, it's we give people tons of flexibility mm-hmm. yeah. prior to COVID, right? 
I hope that we kind of can find a more happy medium where people do start coming back. They do mm -hmm. start being present yeah. with one another. Um, and I never well, thought I'd say that because when, when we went remote, Mm -hmm. I was kind of I following you, your suit. Like I, I was, was like, like, "This is awesome, right?" You know, yeah. the, the, your production you know, went right. up shortly. Yeah, for, we, for... we saw short-term productivity increases yeah. and things like that. But in the long run, I think it, it we we definitely started to see the negative aspects mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, uh, and that's just us. Now we're a manufacturer, right? It yeah. might not be the same for every business. So I'm not saying that your business is the same as ours, but that's the decision we unapologetically <laughs> no, I, made. I will say, there's a lot of. I mean, I, I will say the downtown core is kind of suffering from the workforce not returning back downtown. Absolutely. And I mean, like my wife works for a, a company downtown that used to have about 200 plus people in their yeah. in their building. And now she goes in every day, but she's one of maybe 18 people that are there. And it, the struggle to get have it for employees or get their employees back downtown or back to their place is, is tough. Like have, as an employer, have you done anything to like draw people back like anything any different changes like, well, like... we've we, we've always you know it's funny i mean not really but okay. the reason why well two things well first of all we renovated the entire yeah, you facility just, you right just before had. covid oh you did yeah. okay yeah was... and so they're they're getting the benefit of that but what i would say is we've always had and this really was how microsoft influenced me right it's super like super, um, you know, flexible culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the people who are building the equipment on the floor, right? That's a little bit more structured of an environment, right? Because it's very, you know, everything's very deadline driven. Yeah. But but we still give them a ton of flexibility. And a perfect example of that is you've got the projects you're working on. The doors are open for 65 hours. Mm -hmm. You pick which of those 65 hours, you, you know, you yeah. want to kind of be here for your portion of it during in the week. So if that means they want to, you know, come in at 5 a.m., right? They can start at 5 a.m. If they want to come in at 7, they can start at 7, whatever yeah. it might be. It's there's e and, and that's the least flexible portion of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're an engineer, if you're working in the office, you've got a lot of flexibility so that if a kiddo needs, you know, kind of, of you know, you need to take them to Doctor. school or they're yeah. sick or whatever, yeah. you can work remotely. And we always allowed people to mm -hmm. do that before. So, so what we've tried to do is just say, hey, we want you to be back here the preponderance of the time, but don't yeah. forget, you can still be, we'll be very flexible with all of you to kind of help you kind of meet the needs of your families and yourself kind of outside of work. Totally. Yeah. Well, and, and let's just also, and, and I, and I did listen to you. In fact, you're the first person when you brought it up in your new lobby, we were standing there talking about what was this COVID-19 that was happening and and i was like yeah whatever it's not anything and you kind of explained some stuff and i went back i'm like all right y'all we need to like figure this out because something bad is going to happen and i also at the time lived next door to a, a virologist that teaches at the school of pharmacy and and i was standing out on my front driveway that march and and he said oh no 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 i, I asked is this going to be okay by june because they started shutting down flights and all this stuff and i had a trip planned in june <laughs> and you know selfish me <laughs> don't worry about the world dying um i can't miss my flight but he said no we're looking at two years and so i had when oh, wow. when the two of you mentioned the two smartest people i knew i was like yeah something's gonna happen here yeah um but then I also chatted with you about like, oh, well, the remote work. And, and then it was like we had people that wanted to work remote and we're a very collaborative an architecture firm that designs together. Like we really have to be in the same room quite a bit. And um, yeah, that mm. that whole situation. But the the last point I have is I think socially we need to get back into the office. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. it's, it's very weird. 
I'm, I'm somebody that like in an elevator, I don't want people touching me. I don't want to, I hate being on, on, uh, uh, subways like, mm. um, in Rome when I was spending a bunch of time kind of back and forth from Rome, I remember like I couldn't get on the four o'clock or after tunnel. Like I couldn't, uh, I was stuck there in, in the center until seven or eight because the amount of people that would be in there. Now I walk into a, into a restaurant and the same, like people are like, everybody's like, don't touch me. Yeah. So we need to, we need to get back out and, and, and think, become and a little more social. And I think at some point, right. You know, I, I mean, I think we, we, we did the best we could with the information For we sure. had mm. at the time and given the uncertainty, but what's really sad about what happened is it, it, it became a very political, you know, yeah. deal. And what's interesting is money was, there, involved, there was so it, well, but there was quite you know, a bit of truth on both sides. Right. Absolutely. And so what I hope more than anything that we're able to do following this is take a step back and and put politics aside and really talk about what was effective, what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. And frankly, do the math of. What future problems are we going to have and what's the economic and social impact of Mm. that versus what the short term, you know, social impact of maybe doing things differently would have been that honestly might have even sadly resulted in more deaths because it's not just about that point in time. It's Mm. about, I mean, you know, we made decisions that are going to have impacts on us. Like we were talking about educational attainment Mm -hmm. for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I just think we need to be able to put politics aside and just talk about again, what worked, what didn't work. And if it happened again, what would we do? Because Mm. there was a lot wrong with what we did on both sides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, God, what's, see if we get kicked off last the air questions? for saying that. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, don't that's, think. That's, that's, I think that's very fair. I, uh, he just told me there's no FCC involved in anything <laughs> that we say. Yeah, there, there's no one watching us. I mean, not, there are people listening to us, but like, there's, yeah, there's no control of um, who's like trying which to is why I can dictate what we're saying. Yeah. But like, I, this is a great conversation. Uh, like back to Spokane and, and downtown, yeah. uh, like the future of it. Like we were talking about, like all the yep. things you love doing. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to ask, like, what do you think? downtown needs living down here like like is there there anything lacking is there yeah you know that's a really that's that's a really good good question i mean um i mean i think i think honestly what's lacking and i I don't mean this in a bad way we just talked about is is are are the people Mm -hmm. it's the people kind of coming back i mean i think the infrastructure is really good here i Mm -hmm. think we've got a lot of things um you know uh that that uh, appeal to a wide variety of people i think it would be really great to kind of see some of the businesses that that were dependent supporting Mm -hmm. the people that were coming into downtown you know for commerce and for work right you know to 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 return so that they can begin to thrive again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um Obviously, I think that, you know, there's the, there's the very, you know, I, I think there needs to be a lot more affordable housing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's compatible with, with what's already downtown, the retail and, and the other housing that does exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, so I'd say affordable housing is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, in terms of what Spokane has, I mean, there's great natural resources down here and there's everything you'd probably need. I will say this, I'm going to say this for my wife. What we need is a Whole Foods, right? Yeah. Which, is, yeah. which is the bougiest answer probably ever. No, but it's, but, but it's, it's a common answer. We're sitting across from the main market co-op, yeah. which is terrific. Yep. Mm-hmm. We use that. And we use, you know, I think what's it? Like uh, my, fresh basket, yep. you know, my Fresh Basket. You know, kind of a Kendall 
yards, but more things like that yeah. so that you can actually be self-contained down mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, within easy walking distance yeah. would be great. And so we've got some, so I have to shout out to the people who, who had the vision. And to, stuck it out, yeah. Yeah, and stuck it out through all of this. But I think just more of those types of supporting yeah. things would be great. Yeah. yeah. There's a great location to this open up in the parquet that could be a great grocery is, is that some, the old right aid the old right aid yeah, yeah like that and they just yeah. renovated that that beautiful warren heilman building yeah that i hope never goes away yeah um strangely enough i have to say so we we have a view of that from from where we live mm-hmm. that is weirdly one of my favorite buildings oh my god like, it's my favorite yeah anywhere yeah. okay so no joke last night we had our <laughs> we had our uh uh what do we call it secret santa juliet's here by the way everybody say hi to juliet hey <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we did a gift exchange, and I got this beautiful, like, kind of velvety wrapping paper mat feel, and I'm like, wow, this black, is great, and black. blow black, yeah, and I open it, and and I pull this box, and then wrapping paper, and it's a hand-drawn, like, sketch of the top of the parquet. Oh, that's awesome. And and I didn't think anyone in my office ever listened to anything I said. <laughs> And, and there's a, a person that, uh, thank you, Cody, um, that heard me say one thing about it one time, like a month and a half, two months ago. Um, and she ended up drawing me and it was perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that. And, and I didn't, I was on the opposite corner facing Southwest. Yeah. And so the only room that I had a view was if I walked around my bed, the little, you know, the transom windows but it was like always that glorious moment at night if my lights were off and I looked across and it was lit up. I just, it, that building has always resonated with mm. me. Um, and, and people say this where like there's certain buildings in downtown Spokane that for whatever reason, they don't seem like they've had an architectural impact or, or an impact on, on how we look at downtown. Mm. But picture that building not being here. Right. And then try and stand in Riverfront Park and picture downtown. It doesn't exist, not in the same realm. Yeah. It just it's a fantastic place. So Michael, thank you. It yeah, was absolutely, absolutely dope to have you pleasure. on and uh, um, we got one last question. Oh, before sure. I, but, sure. but this oh, is a great, I'm, great. I'm a Libra. Uh, is that <laughs> no, what you're gonna ask? You're a Libra? No, never mind. I'm just um, being a jackass. You like you like fairness? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no yeah. Uh, um my question is, and the question we like to ask is like, what, what is that you want to leave in Spokane, your legacy here? Like as you there like you getting into the, your, your later years retiring, like what is like, what, yeah. What do you want to, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what I would just say is, is that, you know, I, I don't have the impact that some people, you know, you know, could have like kind of in the entire region. But, mm. but what I would tell you in a small way is that, you know, creating opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons we always talk about why we want to grow the business and why we want to keep it in Spokane. And I, I'll just tell you that really quickly because it's part of the answer. Yeah. Is that number one, we really believe our customers deserve, you know, uh, you know, a higher quality of standard, right? That companies that are growing, that are thriving, that are reinvesting in themselves to provide the infrastructure to support them better going forward. But the second reason we're committed to long-term growth is really we want to provide financial independence for people and their families, right, mm-hmm. so that they can pursue the things they're really passionate about outside of work yeah. um, and and provide way in excess of family, you know, wage jobs, which we do. And 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 I would say if there's one thing, it's 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 it, with with a lot of other people, you know, in town is is building things that our kids can come back to, even mm-hmm. if they choose to leave, right? Yeah. Building things that 
it's not just widget manufacturing. It's it's it it it's it requires smart people that are motivated and hardworking that want to work in a meritocracy, and and will be rewarded really handsomely for it and giving people opportunity, right? And more and more opportunity, um, and and actually building things like not losing that, not yeah. just pushing you know zeros and ones around all day long, which has its place, right? Yeah. And is important. Yeah. But having balance and maintaining that balance here in the region. I mean, if there was one thing, and and frankly. I'm going to quote Don Ting, who's the CEO of of, of Pyrotech. You know, it's it's dignifying manufacturing, mm-hmm. right? Because there's an entire generation or more of people that think of manufacturing companies as these dirty, you know, kind of low wage kind of environments. Mm. And honestly, yeah, it couldn't be farther it's, it's from not, even, it's not even close. No, there's some of the we highest paying jobs. HDG can't compete with what an employee can make in manufacturing at Pearson. We can't even come close. Yeah. Um, with the benefits and what they're able to offer. And I know this because I have a lot of friends that work there yeah. and have worked there. Um, in fact, I do have my ex-wife. Yeah, She's yeah. a wonderful human being and works with you. Um, yeah. But I would say that. Yeah. You know, I, I really would. It's, yeah. it's like creating something tangible that's going to yeah. be here and durable and, and managing it in a way not to just optimize the economic outcome in the short run, but to actually say, hey, we want this place to be here and thrive for 25, 35, 40, 55 more years, yeah. right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing. Yeah, I love the 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 quote about um, character is is the man who plants a tree of which the shade he will never sit in. Mm, yeah, right. Um, which you're doing. Um, and Did your you just make done. that up? I am so fucking smart. <laughs> Michael, exactly. um, no, that is no, from. Great. I think it's the. Either the British for no, it's not the office. Um, who is the guy in the British office? Uh, Ricky Gervais. Gervais. Ricky Gervais says that in some movie, okay. yeah. or is told that by uh, a coworker in some movie. Um, anyway, it is a great quote because um, I th- I think a lot of that that mentality has been lost, and it's all about now and what I can do for myself mm. um, versus w- what what I can leave behind. And you are going to leave something behind um, that that has been you know, here for generations. Yep, um, hope so. One thing that I will say, I, I had dinner with a former coworker this week um, who was, uh, had asked me to meet because um, she wanted to tell me that she was leaving Spokane. She had worked for HDG and then she went on to work for ALSC and, and um, younger, you know, 25, she worked as uh, in marketing and, and, uh, and apparently I'd had some sort of impact on her and she wanted to make sure in person that she told me that she was moving away. Um, and what struck me was she said, I'm 25. I need to go see other cities before I know I come, I'm going to come back. And she said it just like, I, I know I'm moving back here. I know this is where I want to be. I just want to go see it. And, 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 you know, I wanted to thank you for putting me in, pushing me in this industry or whatever, but it was, it, it struck me that people are starting to admit that they're going to come back. Cause I would have never mm. admitted that I was going to move back to the inland Northwest <laughs> when, you know, in, yeah. in 1992 or three, like yeah. I was gone. And, um, and what has grown is, is the culture. What you did say was missing or that maybe was a, a little more prominent in Seattle or much more prominent in the 80s and 90s was culture and, mm-hmm. and, and what comes with that. And now we're, we're getting that. I mean, for you to, for you to joke and, and throw, you know, Jen under the bus about Whole Foods, but for that to be the only thing that you ask for, 
That's not. That's not no, bad. You know. And, you know what I mean. And it's and, and it's interesting. When I said that, I just want to say it was yeah. tongue in cheek. It was just yeah, more absolutely. access to the things we need. I mean, right. Is like that Whole Foods is fairly bougie and a big giant company? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. anyway, but, but think about that. You didn't but say we need, we need an art scene version. or we need yeah. a music scene. Yeah. Like you're you're happy with what we have, and that's well, it's that's a positive better. thing. Yeah. It's getting you know? better every single yeah. day, and, and 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 we can see that. If I can add one thing though, it's what what do we need? Right. It's not anything that's missing. But I really, really hope that there is a commitment, you know, this affordable housing thing mm-hmm. and there's public safety and mm-hmm. kind of, you yeah, know, yeah. people who are unhoused. Which come right? hand in Which, hand with, yeah. with, with population density comes yeah. more, you know, You do. Uh, you have more and, of those issues. Yes. But, but there has to be a way of kind of dealing with it, right, for mm-hmm. people to find downtown Spokane, mm-hmm. the place that they want to really be because they've got a lot of other alternatives, you know, kind of in our area, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would just say that – it doesn't mean criminalizing certain behavior necessarily, no. but it really is working kind of hand in hand in a nonpartisan way to actually address the issues that we can all see in front of us yeah. and realize that if that has an adverse effect on businesses, we're talking about trying to get people to move here. Yeah. We're trying to get people to come back downtown. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't get dealt with in, in, in a fair and a humane way that creates a space, right, that people feel comfortable in. It's it, it's not going to happen. We're yeah. going to lose all of what we fought so hard for for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of inequity in this world, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I will be the first one to to acknowledge it. So it, it doesn't mean that we have to take this draconian approach. No. But this idea of creating a political football, right? You know that everybody argues about about well, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And then coming out with the same result and nobody taking any responsibility for it, right, mm-hmm. is, you know, that shit's got to end, yeah. right? It's, there has to be a commitment to fix this. And I'm really hopeful, you know, that Lisa, not mm-hmm. to put a political plug in, no, but, no. but the new administration really does not adopt the playbook of a Seattle or a Portland or a San Francisco. We, we pray that that doesn't well, happen. Well, and, and no, and, just, and, and by the way, there's a lot of really positive things about that. But what I'm saying, you know, is, is this, is that instead of applying political dogma and ideology to solving the problem, just reach out to both sides that yeah. have great ideas and actually come up with a solution that's Spokane solution yeah. to hell with anybody else, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To hell with what's going on in Seattle or in, or in San Francisco and Portland. What works here and what can we work together like to do here? Mm-hmm. If we can actually do that and that happens, right? It's not something that's missing. Yeah. It's just something we haven't done anything about. Yeah. And, and we've tried. But it hasn't been very successful. I just think that we really have to commit ourselves mm-hmm, to that. Totally. And when and when I say public safety and and more housing, it's it's hand in hand. It's it's if we get more people living downtown, they allocate more public safety to downtown. Yes. If you only have thirty people living downtown, they're they're policing the neighborhoods where people live at night, not downtown. So when when we say we're going to get twelve hundred more people in the next you know, 18 months living in downtown, that's going to allocate us another officer. I mean, that I, I'm not, don't quote me on that, but that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So your answer of, of well, and more it, people we, and downtown we, and I think we all missing, know like, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Population density in downtown regions, like just makes the home, the houseless, like they, there will still be present. There'll just be more people and houseless, People don't want to always be in places that are highly trafficked. Well, and it's and, and it's more taxes downtown to help right. with more 
public safety and more yeah. outreach programs. And um, you, we definitely don't want to end up looking like somewhere along the, the, the steel belt right. in 1986. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I would um, argue there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that we don't want to look like, you know, even on the West coast, other large West mm-hmm. coast cities that, you know, have, have, you know, kind of experimented with different approaches to solving these problems. We should be the beneficiaries of that, right? Yeah. yeah. Be able to look at learn, what worked, learn what the lesson didn't work without and, having to go through and run it. away from the stuff that didn't work very well. Yeah. And and be outcome based, right? Mm-hmm. Not totally. ideologically based, because anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that this is you a, could get me riled the, the, up. For this like is a great card. Yeah, That's why I asked yeah. you to be on because um, I, one of the things that I said in our, I think our first episode of doing this was. Everybody is so incredibly scared of offending anyone. Yeah. And I think your, you know, your football metaphor of just throwing it back and forth, like everybody's afraid of being the person that offends somebody. And, and when we're as a society split as much as we are politically, you're going to offend somebody by saying you're in the middle and that there is a resolve between the two. And for you to admit that both sides did incredibly great things and horrible things during, during COVID and that pandemic. Um, not a lot of people admit that, like they just stick to whatever blue or red says. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, um, it's pretty sad. I think there's a lot of people who just peddle in this divisiveness, like for their own political gain, you know, to (laughs) me, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's not serving us well, you know, as, as, as a community, right. Or as a country. No, no. Yeah. And, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, the, the last thing that I'll say, you know, just to kind of about that is one of the things that's just really frustrating and I'm sure it's the same way in all other big cities, but I don't interact with people is like, you know, you'll bring up an idea and, and immediately have it shot down that, well, that's, that's, you know, going to lead to, you know, that's capitalistic. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. It's one-sided and, 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 and it, you know, and, and just, and just granting people that, hey, this is just feedback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 this is a perception. And then that side also being able to look at it, you know, the other side, right? You know, that that you know the, some of the things they're saying or doing, right? Not yeah. necessarily being, you know, kind of ill intentioned, but but again, it's it's that finding that common ground. What what's the eighty percent that we can agree on? What's the outcome we can mm-hmm. agree on? And then what? How do we get there? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just, that's something that I do have to say that I've been more disappointed with, like mm. in Spokane over the last, and not to leave on a dour no, note, no. but what's exciting is we've got an opportunity now to, to change it, Absolutely. Right? you know, and, and, and that's the, that's the good news. And I hope we just do it. And, and, uh, if, if we can manage to do that, I think downtown Spokane is going to thrive. Unlike, you know, most, I, I think we're going to have outsized growth and really create a vibrant place to live. And I'm committed to, mm-hmm. you know doing my part to try to make it happen that's amazing yeah, yeah. anyway thank yeah. you buddy yeah. yep you bet that was fun thank you for joining us on this episode of if not now when we hope you found inspiration and valuable insights in helping make our downtown spokane a thriving and vibrant community if you enjoyed today's episode please consider subscribing rating and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform Your feedback is essential in helping us reach more listeners. To stay updated on upcoming episodes and engage with our community, follow us on social media. You can find us by searching If Not Now When Podcast. Remember, positive change begins with action, and together we can create a brighter future for our downtown Spokane. Because if we don't do it now, then when will we? Until next time, keep the conversation alive, stay engaged, and find an actionable way to make a difference in your community. Thank you again for being a part of 
Not now, when.